Lord, it is sometimes difficult to find the words to express all that you have done and are doing in our lives. You emptied yourself on the cross in order that we, sinners, might be saved by your so amazing, unfathomable grace. You endured the pain, the torment, the humiliation of hanging on that cross for us. And we thank you. And now, Lord, as we lift up our eyes we know we have a resurrected Christ the only Christ you in whom we can put our trust and place our lives as your grace flows into us and through us through your Holy Spirit Come, Lord Jesus, enlighten our minds and enrich our hearts that we might hear the words that you want us to respond to this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Whenever I'm invited to preach, I realize what a privilege it is to stand before anyone, be it two or three, or before a large congregation, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. This week, as I was thinking about today, preparing for this morning, I realized yet again what an awesome responsibility it is. As a sinner saved by God's grace, to be able to stand before you and witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. When Ryan asked me to preach, I said to him, the message I would like to preach, Ryan, is on why I am a Christian. And so, I'm not expounding specifically on Psalm 111. And yet, those words that were read to us are so relevant to me as a sinner saved by God's grace. I wasn't sure that I should stand here today when Ryan asked me last Sunday but Susan chose a hymn that was based on Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in him. And as we sang that song, I knew that I should accept Ryan's invitation to proclaim the gospel this morning. 
And then as we sang that song that Corey chose, which speaks of it being all about Jesus. I felt, like many of you, I'm sure, a stirring in your life because God's Holy Spirit is so present here this morning. And yet, I haven't always been a Christian. Oh, I was baptized as a child. I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian. But I can stand here today and say with absolute confidence that I am a Christian, that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I remember a few weeks ago, Ryan preaching, and it was on the anniversary of his fifth year of being here. And in it, he stood at the front and he said, I am amazed as to where I've come from and where I am now. And as he spoke those words, and I do listen to Ryan's sermons, I do take notes of Ryan's sermons because I look through them and the relevant biblical passages that he refers to. And I am blessed, not only while he's preaching, but also in the days that follow. And I thought to myself as Ryan preached and spoke those words, I am amazed at where I came from and where I am today as an 80-year-old man. And have you ever met people who sometimes have asked who you are, what you are, where you've come from, and somewhere in that conversation, you say, I am a Christian. And when you speak those three words, you can almost feel a sense of, wow, really? In this age of advanced technology, in this age of scientific advancement, when moral values are being challenged and changed almost on a daily basis, there are many, many people who are surprised to meet thoughtful, intelligent people who are committed to what is perceived by many as being outdated, boring, and irrelevant. And it's almost as though they are saying that all-time religion isn't for me. But I am a Christian. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am committed to the biblical truths of Christianity upon which I build my life, my marriage, my home, and my ministry. As the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I have discovered over many, many years how awesome it is to be able to say that I am proud and I am privileged and I am blessed because Jesus Christ made it possible for me to know him in a very personal and in a very intimate way. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to my, with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation.
and I am one of the works of the Lord. And so then, why am I a Christian? Henry Nouwen, the great Roman Catholic scholar, a most godly Christian man, wrote a book called The Living Reminder. And in that book, he quoted Elie Wiesel, author, philosopher, and most importantly, a Holocaust survivor. Henry Nouwen quotes these words, God made man because he loved stories. Well, that's only part of the truth, isn't it? That God made man because he loved stories. And Henry Nouwen, commenting on these words, wrote, as long as we have stories to tell each other, there is hope. The New Testament, the Gospels are full of stories. Stories that inspire, stories that encourage, stories that challenge, stories that rebuke, and cause us, if we are honest, to take an honest look at who we are in Christ and how we are traveling with him and life's journey. And so then, why am I a Christian? And I want to tell you, though some of you know, some of my story. And I could be here for a long time, and I'm attempting to be as brief as I possibly can. I grew up in northern England, in a non-Christian home. I was born in 1943. My mother died in childbirth. I lived in a very unhappy environment for the greater part of my home life. I went to Sunday school, as was the happening in those days when our parents were pleased to have some free time on Sunday morning and all the kids from the street, we would walk to the Anglican church, which was very Anglo-Catholic, a very high church. Some Sundays you couldn't see the communion table for incense, for smoke. I went to Sunday school at the same church. I was confirmed, but for me, as a young boy, it was a a meaningless exercise in futility. As I grew up in an environment that was not conducive to uh, my uh, emotional and educational development, I decided to leave home at 16 years of age. I tolerated enough of the verbal and physical abuse that I said, I've had enough. I'm launching out on my own. It was with a great sense of loneliness a feeling of desolation that I embarked on an adult life. The years passed by, two years passed by, still wandering aimlessly, lonely, working on a regular basis. I started out as a house painter. I worked selling men's clothing in a very exclusive men's store, I went in the army, a career which didn't last for too long, but still feeling this sense of isolation 
from home and family and all that one is supposed to be enjoying as a young teenager, one September night, a night which I have never forgotten, I wandered aimlessly into a Methodist church in my hometown of Doncaster in northern England. I just wandered in for no reason other than that I was feeling lonely. It was raining. I was wet. And there was nowhere else to go and no one else to meet. But ill did I know that unknown to me that that night was the beginning of a journey that I was to know absolutely nothing about. Nothing about at all. But what I discovered in that Methodist church with a very large congregation, with a youth group of some hundred plus young people, I discovered that there were people in life who loved you just as you are. That there were people who loved me just as I was. I had known a long three-year period on probation, having experienced considerable trouble with the police for crimes which I no longer wish to speak about, and yet they were real and had a devastating impact on my life. But I persisted going to that church. Such was the warmth and the friendliness of the people I was to meet and get to know. And gradually, as, the, as two years passed by, I will never forget the Reverend Leonard Barnett one Sunday evening preaching a sermon on this is your life. And he said, do you realize that the life that you are living is a gift from God? What are you doing with that gift? And that night, there was no peals of thunder, no flashing of light. In some small way, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I didn't tell anybody. It was just something for me. I didn't really understand or know what I was doing. But it was to, the, to be the beginning of a journey that was to be filled with adventure, excitement, disappointment, frustration. And yet, through it all, I began to know the importance of what it means to be a Christian. I went to Bible College, a place called Cliff College in the beautiful county of Derbyshire in England. I stayed there for close to three months. I didn't like it, so I left. You had to read your Bible. You had to pray. You had to give testimony. This wasn't my scene. This wasn't me. And so I left. But again, feeling a sense of loneliness, isolation, desolation, I did hold on. But it wasn't so much me that held on. It was that Christ was holding on to my life. One solitary individual. Christ was holding on to me. My understanding of basic Christian truth was minimal. I didn't know all that much about Jesus. I tried to read the Bible, but it didn't mean much to me. I didn't understand 
about his death and resurrection, or the importance of prayer and reading the Bible. But all the time, God, in his son Jesus Christ, was holding on to me. He was holding on to me. He wouldn't let me go. It was amazing. It was a miracle. Even though I didn't appreciate all this at the time, as I began to look back on my life, I realized that God had a purpose, God had a plan for me. Through various circumstances, I was to meet, and this was largely through the Bible college that I had left, in sheer frustration, exasperation, I was to meet a wonderful Christian family. I was to meet this young lady who has been my wife now for some 56 years. 56 years this year. And I can tell you, in the time that I met Rosalind, her family, God became real to me in some remarkable ways. And what was so amazing was that I knew that God wanted me to go back to the Bible college that I had left with my head hung low some two years before. And that's what I did. I went back to that Bible college before we got married. I had one of the most amazing years of my life, reading, studying the Bible, going to churches and testifying to the amazing grace of God. It was absolutely awesome. Before I went back to Bible college, I spent six months working on the blast furnaces in, this, in the steelworks. And that was a challenge to who I was as a Christian. And so I began to grow in my faith. Jesus was becoming more and more central in my life. Any doubts or questions I had became stepping stones to a deeper understanding of why I was able to say with confidence why I, Jeffrey Dixon, was a Christian. And eventually, we got married. I worked on Skid Row in a northern city in England. I went to seminary was ordained into the Anglican Church, which was a miracle in itself. And we came to Canada and spent most of our ministry in the Anglican Diocese of the Arctic and a short time, seven years, in the Diocese of the Yukon. And so that's a part of who I am. That's a part of what I became and what I am today because God held on to me God had a plan for my life with Rosalind, who means more to me than words can express. But there has to be more than just a personal story. And I have just given you a brief outline of my story. As Francis Schaeffer said many years ago, if we're going to have answers, we must not only have a God who exists, but a God who has spoken. My story is important, but there has to be more compelling reasons why I am a Christian. I am a Christian 
because of what Jesus has done in my life, but also because I am convinced that the Bible is the living word of God. I accept what this book has to say from Genesis to Revelation. Do I understand it all? No, and I never will. But yet I believe that the Bible speaks to us in some very powerful and relevant ways. The Bible is not just another book. Again, to quote the Apostle Paul from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for showing, showing us what is wrong in our lives, for correction and training in righteousness. I do believe in the absolute inerrancy and the inspired word of God. The late Dr. Ward Gask, a New Testament scholar, was asked, why do you believe the Bible is the reliable word of God? And before giving the academic reasons, he said that the Bible spoke to him as he read it. It addressed him where he was. He recognized that the Bible is not just an ordinary book. And then he quoted from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or as the late Eugene Peterson paraphrased this verse, by your word I can see where I'm going because your word throws a beam of light on my dark path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We cannot, we must not neglect the reading, the studying, and the implanting of God's word in our lives. We must read it, study it, and apply it to all areas of our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, I am a Christian because of what God has done and continues to do in my life. I am a Christian because of this so amazing book, the Bible. I am also a Christian because of Jesus Christ. And it has to be said with confidence that without the person and work and the uniqueness of Jesus Christ without the incarnation of Christ crucified and risen, there is no genuine Christianity. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then why are we here today? But we can say that Christ, he died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ ascended into heaven, and through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, we can give thanks to him today for the gift of his so great salvation.
And so, I believe in the absolute trustworthiness and uniqueness of Jesus Christ. You can depend on him because he keeps his every word. He keeps his every word. When I think about the I am sayings in the Gospel of John, John 6, John 6 35 and verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He sustains us through his word. He has sustained me from the day I made that decision to follow Jesus. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He gives direction. He gives guidance through life. He said in John chapter 10, verse 7 to 9, I am the door. We have the privilege. We have access to him. And when we knock on the door of his life, that door is open and he welcomes us as sinners. He welcomes us just as we are, but he does not want to leave us as we are. And John 11 verse 25, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no other savior like Jesus. There is no other way to salvation other than through Jesus. The late John Stott wrote a book on why am I a Christian? And he said, I am a Christian because I am convinced that Christianity is true, or better still, that the claims of Christ are true. All the claims of Christ are true. The life of Jesus, it is so amazing. His selflessness, his integrity, and so much more. His attractive personality, his sinlessness, all confirm to me that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what is so amazing, that above all else, he loves even me. And he died on the cross for me. There is no Christianity without Christ. There is no Christianity without Christ dying on the cross. There is no Christianity without Christ being resurrected and went to his Father in heaven and sent to us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And so, dear friends, there are other reasons, other reasons why I am a Christian but I leave you this morning with one other compelling reason why I am a Christian. And that is the evidence of the changed lives of people I have known and the people I know whose lives have been miraculously, wonderfully transformed by the so amazing grace of Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, a lovely, dear Christian lady from a clavic in the Northwest Territories in the Mackenzie Delta, her name was Rosie Archie. She was a lady who came to Christ out of a life that was not particularly honoring to the Lord. 
Rosie was a vibrant, gentle, compassionate Christian. Rosie would have found it difficult to preach a sermon, to testify publicly of what Christ had done in her life. But all her life was a testimony to the amazing grace of God. Women would go to her home in a clavic when they were troubled, and she would pray with them. She would minister to them graciously. Her life exemplified what it means to be a Christian. And Rosalind and I could tell you of the lives of many others that we have had the privilege of ministering to, who in their own gracious way have ministered up to us in some remarkable ways. And so Jesus said to me so long, long ago, come and follow me. Has my life always been easy? No. Has my life always been trouble-free? No. But I can tell you today that I have never regretted committing my life to Jesus. The journey has been and continues to be remarkable. I have no desire to be any other than a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. But there is always a but. What about you? You may have questions about the Bible. You may have questions about Jesus. You may have questions about the church. And on and on it goes. But if you have never committed your life to Christ, as someone said a long time ago, why not take the plunge and become a follower of Jesus? And I assure you, I assure you with absolute confidence, and many others in this room will agree with me, it will be the greatest decision that you can ever make. How awesome is our God. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in him. Amen. O God, our Father, great are your works. We have seen the evidence of how great your works are in the lives of so many, many people people we have known personally, people, we who have, people who, whom we have read about, who have testified to your transforming grace in their lives. Lord, sometimes we stand back in sheer amazement at the lives that you have transformed and go on transforming. But most of all, for what you are doing in our own lives today. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has not taken the plunge and welcomed you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they will seriously consider doing so.
that they may know the joy of the Lord. Amen.